Hey listeners, Mealy and Christine here. Though we are licensed medical professionals, nothing we speak about in the well conversation should be taken as health advice. These episodes are based on a review of current research available and well-known frequently applied interventions used by professionals in the field. If you have a pre-existing medical condition, the information shared in this presentation may not be entirely safe or applicable to you. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before applying any changes to your health, especially if you have a pre-existing medical condition or are taking prescription medications. And welcome to another episode of The Well Conversation. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Chung. And I'm Dr. Maley. So every third episode of The Well Conversation, we're going to be having a supplement spotlight where we focus on some of the most popular and widely used supplements out in the current market. And this week, it's one of our favorites, vitamin D. So one of the most talked about supplements in Canada, and now with the research coming out with COVID-19, vitamin D has been a highly trending topic. Not to get too into COVID here, but there has been some really interesting data on COVID-19 and vitamin D levels, specifically vitamin D deficiency leading to higher risk of severe outcome due to COVID-19. It was also made very popular this year when Dr. Fauci made an official recommendation for the United States. If you're interested in some of the current research going on with vitamin D and COVID-19, check out Dr. Rhonda Patrick. She's available on YouTube and also has a podcast of her own. Okay, so let's start with the basics around vitamin D. So what does it do in our body? So vitamin D acts more like a hormone in our body. It regulates our calcium and phosphate, which are two minerals that our bones need, as well as our teeth, and they're needed for muscle strength and function. Vitamin D is also really important for our immune function, and it actually triggers our body to make antibodies. Vitamin D also has a fairly well-known role for mood regulation, and you may have heard about vitamin D's role through SAD, or Seasonal Affective Disorder. So this is when in the winter months in countries like Canada, we have a lack of sunlight, which leads to a lack of vitamin D and can alter our mood. So vitamin D plays many roles in the body, but those are three of the main functions. So how much vitamin D do we actually need? So the actual numbers you're looking at is approximately 600 to 1,000 international units, or IU, per day. But this depends on what your blood levels are. If you're deficient, you may need to get a high dose for a while to get back to a normal level before continuing on a regular dose. If you live in Canada, chances are you're vitamin D deficient. If you have any other health conditions going on, for example, some gut issues, digestive issues, or if you're under the weather, you may have some issues with absorbing vitamin D. It's always best to see a practitioner to get your levels tested. Vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin, so it can build up to toxic levels in your blood. So it's very important to have a healthcare practitioner advise on the correct level of vitamin D for you. So what is an appropriate blood level of vitamin D? Vitamin D takes different forms in the body depending on what stage it's in. So it depends which form of vitamin D you're testing. The most common form of vitamin D tested is 25-hydroxyvitamin D, and this is tested in nanomoles per liter. 
So if you are looking at your blood results and you want to become more informed, nanomoles per liter is just N-mole, M-O-L, and then slash L. So you are looking for that 25 hydroxy form. If your number is less than 25, this means you are deficient in vitamin D and you could have symptoms displaying this. A range from 25 to 74 nanomoles per liter shows insufficiency. So this doesn't mean you're deficient, but it means you're still not in that optimal range. Sufficient vitamin D levels, meaning you have enough, is 75 to 250. So you'll notice this range from 75 to 250 is fairly large. This is because it takes a little while before the vitamin D becomes toxic in your body. Once you reach a number greater than 250 nanomoles per liter, you're reaching toxic levels and we don't want higher than that. So these are some numbers to keep maybe as a reference so you can also keep track of your vitamin D level. So these ranges are based on Life Labs of Canada. So these will be the reference ranges that you'll be looking at if you're also based in Canada. So according to Statistics Canada, the average blood level for females is 67 nanomoles per liter and males, the level is 61 nanomoles per liter. Therefore, the average Canadian adult has insufficient vitamin D levels. This is important to note because this is actually different than an outright deficiency but it's also not in the sufficiency category. Outright deficiency can cause immense side effects in both children and adults. For example, in kids, you may see kids with rickets, and in adults, you can see osteomalacia, which is a fancy medical term for fragile, misshapen bones. Deficient vitamin D and insufficient vitamin D are associated with a number of health risk factors. For example, heart disease and high blood pressure, diabetes, infections or poor immune function, multiple sclerosis and autoimmune disease, some cancers like colon cancer, prostate cancer and breast cancer, weight gain and depression. And it's also important to remember that it's not the cause of these diseases or conditions, it's just associated with them. And those at risk for a vitamin D deficiency are those who are housebound. So for example, not going out of the house a lot. If you think of everyone in COVID yeah, right now in, in quarantine, <laughs> or some people in cities with lockdowns, a lot of people aren't leaving their house, or especially at the beginning of COVID. I know for myself, I actually may not have left my house for at least two weeks. And then when I did leave my house, it was purely only for groceries. So just thinking about the amount of vitamin D deficiency that could be happening for people who may be housebound due to COVID or because of work, they don't have the ability to leave their house during the hours that the sun is out. Or those who maybe in nursing homes or who, especially with COVID, weren't allowed to leave or maybe those in hospitals or long-term care facilities, that can definitely impact their vitamin D level. Also thinking about our frontline workers who are working hard against COVID and, you know, some of them I know nurses, doctors are working 12, 15 hour shifts and, you know, they get into the hospital before the sun comes out and they leave when the sun's already gone down. Also, those in climates that are not getting a lot of sun exposure, for example, Canada. <laughs> and that also includes wearing sunscreen or wearing long sleeves in the summer because the skin is the best way to absorb vitamin D from the sun. And if you wear long sleeves or if you're wearing a lot of sunscreen, of course, sunscreen is important, but sunscreen and long sleeves also block your ability to absorb vitamin D from the sun. And studies also show that certain races, such as those of African, African Caribbean or South Asian backgrounds, are more likely to be vitamin D deficient. 
Okay, so where do we get vitamin D from? And Christine just mentioned the sun. The sun is the best place to get our vitamin D. And about 15 to 20 minutes in the sun, about four days per week, is usually a good amount to get your vitamin D. Now, this is an average estimate. So most of the solutions offered or recommendations are usually for Caucasians. So a lot of these recommendations for 15 minutes out in the sun may work for part of the population. But as Christine mentioned, it's important to note that if your skin tone is darker, then you actually need more time in the sun because it's correlated with the amount of melanin in your skin. So the more melanin you have, the less vitamin D is actually absorbed in that amount of time. So depending on the color of your skin, you may need more time outside in the sun. There are also many food sources that are rich in vitamin D. For example, oily fish. So we're looking at salmon, sardines, mackerel, and herring. If you've listened to our Omega-3 podcast, you know how much Maylee and I love our oily fish. <laughs> you can also get vitamin D from red meat, from organ meats such as liver, egg yolks, fortified foods uh, like breakfast cereal or cow's milk. So when we look at the foods rich in vitamin D, we can see why vegans and vegetarians can often show up as deficient in their blood levels because almost all of these foods are from meat or animal sources. And of course, vegans and vegetarians are not consuming those sources. So it's very important for vegans and vegetarians to get their own assessment from their primary healthcare practitioner. Okay, so I guess this brings us to the third way to get vitamin D. So we've talked about through the sun, through food, and the third way is supplementation. So often people wonder, should I supplement or is this even needed? So as we mentioned at the beginning, it's always good to have your vitamin D levels tested to give you a sense of if you should supplement and then again, how much you should be supplementing with. So always get your blood levels tested. But for the most part, we know that Canadians are insufficient. And this is even more likely if you have higher amounts of melanin in your skin. So then if you are supplementing, the best way to supplement with vitamin D is with fatty foods because vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin. So we want to take this with foods that are fatty and we want to take this away from fibrous foods. So if you're having maybe a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast, maybe you want to take your vitamin D later at lunch if you're having maybe eggs or maybe a salad with some olive oil. So we want to probably have it with fatty food. However, these days most vitamin D supplements have such great absorption that this doesn't play as big of a role as it used to. The best form of vitamin D is usually vitamin D3. So you may see different types of supplements. There's vitamin D2 and there's vitamin D3. D2 actually is present in plants. So this is in some mushrooms. It's in the fortified foods Christine mentioned. And there are some supplements. Vitamin D3 comes from foods mentioned earlier, those animal products that Christine mentioned. Vitamin D3 is more effective at improving our vitamin D status. So if you're supplementing with vitamin D3, it will be more efficient at improving your vitamin D levels in your blood when compared to vitamin D2. It's also important to note that vitamin D is well paired with vitamin K2. So vitamin D ensures that there's an adequate level of calcium in your blood, and calcium is very important for our bones, but vitamin K is what comes in and takes the calcium from your blood into your bones. So if you don't have adequate levels of vitamin K and you have 
an excessive amount of vitamin D, it may cause high levels of calcium in your blood. Studies show that vitamin K deficiency is associated with heart disease, primarily calcification-related effects. It's not really that hard to get vitamin K from your diet, so leafy greens, animal sources, if some people are into the fermented food, natto from the Japanese culture is very, very high in vitamin K, and some companies are actually taking advantage of that and making K2 supplements from natto. And because it's not hard to get in the diet, if you're eating a well-rounded diet with lots of leafy green vegetables and some animal sources, you don't have to worry about supplementing K2 because vitamin K is also a fat-soluble vitamin. It can build up in your body. But some vitamin D supplements pair with vitamin K2. So you can see they'll say, for example, vitamin K2 slash D3. And those are the ones where they've thought about this reaction and they say, oh, you know what? Let's make sure that they have adequate levels of K2. Let's pair the vitamin D3 with the K2 so that it doesn't cause these effects of calcification in the blood vessels. So like mainly mentioned earlier, taking your vitamin D in a liquid form in a fat emulsion is ideal. So you don't have to actually worry about eating it with a fatty meal if it's in liquid drops and those liquids are fat-based. Or if you've listened to our omega-3 podcast and you're on that fish oil train, I always pair my vitamin D with my fish oil because I know that the fish oil is a fatty source and then my vitamin D will be best absorbed in that way. So going on the supplement train, <laughs> my favorite part... <laughs> So a lot of questions we get are best brands of these supplements. So it doesn't really matter the brand as long as you get a fat soluble form of vitamin D. So liquid or a vitamin D supplement in a liquid gel cap. So that's capsule with the fat and the vitamin D in there in one nice little easy to swallow capsule is much more preferable than a hard capsule or a powdered form of vitamin D3. And also, it's important to note which fat it's being emulsed in. Some of the cheaper brands will tend to use cheap oils. And like we talked about in the omega-3 episode, cheap oils, definitely not good. They can cause a pro-inflammatory response due to oxidation. And so brands that I personally like, these are also professional brands. So sometimes you might have to consult your healthcare practitioner before you get access to these brands. Or if you go to a health food store, you can talk to the lovely associates behind the counter and they'll be able to help you out. But I really like the Genestra brand, Demulsion. It's honestly just delicious. Yeah, that one tastes very good. It's easy to overdose on that one. (laughs) Just because they're so good. I find that kids really love this one too. A lot of parents will say, my kids just line up for their vitamin D because they love it so much. And they have delicious flavors and also in a fat emulsion. And there's also one from a brand called Cytomatrix, also in a dropper, very easy to take. The flavor is almost non-existent. This one I like to sometimes drop in my fish oil. So I think it's important to mention when we're talking about supplementing, especially with these dropper ones, because it's usually one drop or two drops is usually the dose. It's very easy to take too much. And it's important to mention that there is toxicity associated with vitamin D. And so when Christine was talking about the importance of vitamin K2 when supplementing with vitamin D, she mentioned that vitamin D increases our absorption of calcium. So the issue is if we're taking too much vitamin D, this causes calcium to build up in the body and 
This can impact our blood vessels, which can lead to heart function issues. It can also lead to kidney stones, and it can actually weaken our bones. And this toxicity develops more easily than, let's say, maybe in a B vitamin because it is one of the fat-soluble vitamins. So our body stores this in fat cells. And so this is why it's also good to test before you begin supplementing. But then also once you begin to supplement, it's important to track your vitamin D levels. So about every three months, you should be getting your vitamin D levels tested when you begin supplementing. And then you can wait a little bit longer once you're used to your regular supplementing plan. So those are some of the main details of vitamin D3. And you can clearly tell why us living in Canada, it's one of our favorite supplements It's one of the most prescribed supplements and it's just so important because it has such an important effect in mental health and like we were talking about seasonal affective disorder. I know myself when January rolls around, by that time we're nice and deficient. We've stayed inside a lot because it's so cold outside and you know, I'm not going outside, I'm not getting the sun. And I feel like around the January, February time is when a lot of people start to get really like glum. And yes, especially this year. (laughs) I feel like we definitely noticed a lot this year, mostly because we were doing less and rates of depression and mental illness were a lot higher this year because of COVID. But again, also, like we mentioned at the beginning, we weren't going outside as much. We didn't have to go outside as much. So unless you were kind of forcing yourself to go on that daily walk, you're not getting as much vitamin D. And then we notice now that spring's coming, how amazing it feels when you're in the sun all day. I know that in my life, my partner specifically will mention, hey, it's crazy how much the sun will perk up your attitude. (laughs) And of course, I'll give him some trouble for that. But also, it's very true. Like for myself, I can tell that I become a little down. Even when I'm supplementing, I just really feel like the sunshine really makes a difference for me, for my mood, for my mental health. And just being able to get a day of sunshine, like for example, last weekend we had an amazing weekend of sunshine and I just sat outside in the sun. Even my mom was saying that it looked like I got a little color and (laughs) it just felt so good. And I just feel like when I think summer is coming, I think, oh, the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, it's here. such a bright light and we can't wait for all that natural free vitamin D. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's what I tell people is that yes, usually during the winter we want to supplement and then some people need to continue supplementing, but some people I say, stop your supplementing during the summer and just save it for winter and try and get it from the sun. Because we know being out in the sun is great for our health, as we discussed with Drs. Marissa and Andrew in our episode all about light and the benefits of light outside of the vitamin D. So I think getting your vitamin D from the sun is the best option. And I think using supplementation when we have to is important, but always going back to just kind of those raw forms of our vitamins and minerals is obviously the best way to get it. Yeah, and Maylee and I are a little bit crazy with our supplementation and our lab testing. So I'm sure Maylee can attest to the fact that she's probably gotten her vitamin D tested, you know, at the beginning of the winter, midwinter, end of winter, before summer begins, <laughs> and then like maybe midsummer as well. And you can actually see the vitamin D levels rising in your blood. And you can clearly see why vitamin D in the summertime is just not that necessary. And you can save some money on your vitamin D supplementation and also not risk this sort of toxicity in the summer as well. So just getting that natural vitamin D in the summer, I honestly, I can't wait for the summer to hit. We're so close. (laughs) The weather is warming up here in Canada (laughs) and we just can't wait. 
So that wraps up our episode all on vitamin D. We hope we covered everything, but if you have any questions, as always, please just send us a message. You can send us a message on Instagram at thewellcompany.ca. And until next time, feel well, learn well. 